Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So we're down to four lads and we couldn't have picked better semi-finals. Let's be honest about it. Dublin and Mayo, huge grudge match in the last decade and then Tyrone and Kerry who also are a huge grudge match from the free, from the previous decade more or less but no love lost between either teams no love lost between either sets of supporters and we've that to look forward to on Thursday so we can't talk any more about the semi-finals now the big story of the weekend obviously is Mayo um, beat Donegal at home and it, okay, it's not a surprise really because most of us pr- predicted uh, Mayo to win that one um, they were outstanding on the night we'll get into that in part two that's the one we're going to concentrate on but it was just a brilliant it was a brilliant um, occasion I got there at three o'clock in the day into Castle Bar and I had to drive a mile out of the town just to get parking and I forced my way into a parking spot there at that stage I could have had to keep going further there was a line of cars there was music in there for the first three hours the stand was absolutely wedged and in fairness lots of Donegal fans in the stand as well there was a real carnival atmosphere around it a packed McHale Park and in fairness the Mayo team responded I called them dead men walking at one point during the year I thought they were after the I think it was after the Armagh match um, but they're definitely not dead men walking now they're alive and kicking yeah look what an occasion um, I think when you know when the the Super 8 was introduced it's this was the kind of the perfect uh, solution that we, we you know we were hoping to see games like this in provincial venues where a team was at home a massive atmosphere in a provincial town and you know the game sort of sometimes games can follow the atmosphere and it was one of them, you know, bit of rain always helps as well. Tricky conditions, turnover of possession an awful lot. Just makes it so exciting. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can be, we can pass comment on the the quality at certain times. But if you park all of that and just enjoy it as a spectacle and as a piece of sporting drama and entertainment, you'd go a long way to find much better. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. You could kind of say Donegal were completely shafted by this draw in that... They got the easiest game, no disrespect to Mead, but everyone's beaten Mead and beaten them, covered the handicap against them, even though Mead, of course, have done all right for half of the game or whatever. They got that game first at home. They would have beaten Mead in Navan, they would have beaten them in Croke Park. And then after performing well in the first two games, they end up with Mayo away. And it's the only game they've lost all year. Mayo have lost twice. Like, I mean, something a little bit unfair about that. I wouldn't have as much sympathy for Donegal in that they had the home venue last year in Ballyshan against Throne and couldn't seal that deal either. So I don't know whether to have too much sympathy for them. But you would say that it was a very, very 
tough ask on Donegal to have to go away to to uh, McHale Park to get into an All Ireland quarter final. It really was, yeah, semi final, yeah, undefeated, and they won the Ulster Championship. Everything was going great for yeah. them. Everything was going bad for Mayo, and then suddenly Mayo had a home quarter final knockout match and coincided with Mayo just sort of really getting back to levels that we we know they can intensity wise so unlucky for Donegal in that point of view as well I think they would have beaten them any other week yeah well like I think if you look at the format of the championship I mean Mayo have lost two games Donegal have only lost one and there's one team advancing to a semi-final I mean you can look at that and say it's, it's just a, a bit unfortunate for Donegal I mean Look, we don't want to get into a championship structures. No, waffle about it, but it, it's it's unfortunate for Donegal that they lost it. The game they lost was at the wrong time of the season. Yeah, and I suppose and it's that the, can happen. It's the look of the draw in anything, mm. and they did draw the weaker team at home, and that was just the look of the draw went against uh, and, them this year. It's unfortunate. And look, ultimately, if you're you you do need a little bit of luck when you're you know if you're if you're if you're down with players injured and stuff like that. Like Mayo have had a lot of injuries. You could put that down to bad luck, Donegal. You know, Jason McGee having to go out. Different injuries at different times have affected both teams. Yeah. Um, but both teams had an opportunity to grasp the game the other night and win it. And Mayo fell over the line. Yeah. Ahead of Donegal. A couple, a couple of points um, from the game. The penalty decision. I thought Goff got that right. I think when you know Goff is refereeing your game, you can't pull a jersey. It's the one thing he's allergic to. He's pulling, yeah. he's pulling you for holding hands. Now Murphy had his arm across Keegan I'm not sure that's a foul That's kind of shielding the ball But Keegan pulled his jersey I think there's no question It was a penalty And it was a pretty brave call from Goff Yeah well look That's his style of refereeing Like he lets uh, He lets a huge amount of physicality go But on the technical fouls He's he's very sharp on them So like There could be a massive physical exchange With a loose ball on the ground And he tends to let that go, but as soon as there are, you know, strong arms across on the tackle, he can let it go. But as soon as there's a pull of the jersey, that that's just yeah. what he he blows for. And like that's a playing the rule. And they the can't play- complain yeah, with and that. And the players type. would have been well warned of, you Absolutely. know, what Goff is like, lads. Yeah. I don't want to see any of that from you. He'll blow you from fifty yards away. You know, so Keegan. Well, like in in that particular incident, Ke- like when the ball is in the air, Keegan has his back to the ball. So what's he doing? What's he at like? Yeah. So he has his back to the ball. He only turns at the last seconds to face the ball, at which point he has a massive chunk of Michael Murphy's jersey. Murphy is trying to hold him off as he's watching the ball coming in. Keegan is only eyes for him. So, I mean, to me, he's not trying to play the ball. Keegan is not trying to play the ball. He's playing the man. And at the last second, he kind of makes a swipe for the ball. Um, so it's, it's a foul. Like I, I can't yeah. understand how anyone would really be complaining yeah, about it. Yeah, I think James Horne was. James Horne questions nearly every decision. He's gone mad on the sideline. I don't, the camera keeps panning to him, but I was watching him. He gives the linesman a lot of um, abuse, you know, like, I mean, which I don't think there's any real call for either. The, it was interesting that Murphy put the penalty to the right, because remember we talked here about the clutch penalties <laughs> always go bottom left. And Aidan O'Shea walked in and whispered to Henley. So I was watching this uh, closely and he clearly told Henley because Henley guessed bottom right. But I suppose that's true. It's the clutch penalty. But only if you hadn't done it the very game before. So Murphy double bluffed him and went the other side knowing that he did that against Kerry and that Henley's going to think he goes that way. So this is all a game of cat and mouse between the goalie and Murphy. Uh, Brilliant stuff from Murphy. Yeah, sure. The mind games in these uh, scenarios are hilarious because it's it's sort of like a double bluff to keep 
keeper could be thinking, oh, he always goes to this side in the clutch penalty. He's not going to go with this time because he knows I know where yeah, he's going to yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he knows just, I know, he knows yeah, I know. It's just a complete farce. So look, at it. I mean, it's a guessing game at the end of the day. Like, if, if Henley had guessed the right direction, he would have saved it. It wasn't a great penalty. No, no. In terms of it being like really well struck or right in the corner. It just so happens. Sometimes you score a bad penalty. Yeah. No, well, if he goes the wrong way, it's always a good penalty, yeah, right? If it hits so the like net, it's a good penalty. <laughs> That's the way it is. What about Hugh McFadden's hit on O'Shea coming out? Like, I mean, it was stupidity from McFadden. And I've watched McFadden in this game. He does nothing the whole game other than pushing lads and pushing them in the chest and hitting lads. And I don't know what he's playing at, but I don't think there was much dirty in it. It, it was inconclusive on the replays whether he went in el- with an elbow or was it just a, sh- a, sh- a shoulder charge into the chest, which is a yellow, which he got for it. Yeah, like, I, I didn't see an elbow anyway, but I just thought it was a bit... Um, yeah, he blindsided him. Like, it's you totally know, unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Really, unnecessary, it? completely unnecessary. O'Shea was sort of having it with Murphy and they were, you know, they both knew what they were both at. You know, they were having a little bit of bargy bargy and then suddenly, bang, just out, out of picture, out of his eye line, just he's absolutely flat by this big ham of a man you know? <laughs> but he does he goes around into all this kind of old nonsense and he'd, he'd be better off concentrating on blocking the likes of James Carr when he's kicking a, a telegraph <laughs> point off his left yeah. I, would like, I mean to be honest sometimes you just think when you're watching a game like that you know as a neutral and you're going God like if I was ref in the game I just tell him, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be like a challenge match. You just go over to the manager and say, "Here, will you take this Egypt off so I don't have to send him off?" Because he's wrecking me head with this rubbish. Like, I want to referee a game, yeah. like not this crap. Yeah. Lads, this big macho man act, like you know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, it's such nonsense. It like. is, it is nonsense. So Higgins, I'm on the call that Higgins was a fair black. It's fair enough that McBrearty grabbed his hand, but Higgins had already put the hand over his shoulder and was in the act of pulling him down anyways. So, like, I mean, that was. Poor stuff by Keith Higgins. To me, it's the most obvious black card yeah. I've ever seen in my life. It's the exact reason the black card was brought in. McBrearty wins the ball. He's heading for goal. If you look at the replay, Keegan with our, Higgins with his left hand has has McBrearty's jersey gripped behind yeah. uh, behind his back. Then he has his right arm around Put his that neck, over his neck, yeah. and he actually is on his back with his legs wrapped <laughs> around him. And, and people are saying this is a borderline call for yeah. black card. I mean, what's the natural reaction when someone grabs you around the neck is probably you have the ball under your left arm. Uh, what are you supposed to do with your right hand? You can't get him off yet. You're going to grab his hand. You know, it's a, it's just yeah, a natural yeah. reaction. And he's on my back, referee. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Try and, you know... I it's agree. Unbelievable. It was, that wasn't an example of where you're pulling him down with you. It wasn't. Yeah, no it just way. wasn't. And you know this idea that the players are going down easy. Like we know that that's sort of happening in some cases, but that ha- your momentum is going forward, and when someone's pulling you back and you're trying to get forward away from them, you can fall forward, and your momentum takes you forward. Especially when Higgins is going down with you. He's on your back. Yeah. But, like, but like, this is a situation. I would have complete sympathy for Higgins if he went in with a with an arm around him to try and foul him. Okay, but his left hand was held out in the air, and he actually had his two feet on the ground. He had his two <laughs> feet in the air, legs wrapped around McBrearty. Yeah. Right to the ground, he had a grip of the jersey with his left hand behind his back, if you watch the replay. I mean, how any... I mean, the, the commentary on it, that it was a borderline call. I, I mean, I don't... No. Yeah, Dick Clerkin said it was 50-50. Oh, Jesus. Sure. What, was there, it, what, what a 50-50 between free in or free out? Like, what? <laughs> you've made the first mistake by listening <laughs> to Dick Clerkin. The, 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 there was two black cards in the Kerry Mead game and they were borderline. I thought White got a harsh steal and the Mead player it, got a harsh... Like they're the 50-50s, the, I These call. are the ones where... And I saw the two of them where a guy goes to make a run, he's checked off the ball and he goes to ground when he's hit. 
the, the hit isn't enough to take him to the ground but it's the it's the thing of flamboyantly showing the referee or the linesman that I've been checked off the ball the reality is it's a it is a black card to check the man off the ball just because he has to go to ground to get the decision doesn't like we don't like to see that but I mean if you check a man you run the risk so it's clever play from the from the from the guy who's making the run sometimes these guys are making a run they're not they know they're not really going to get the ball but they're making a support run if you check them in in a lazy way instead of running with them you can't really complain about having a black I know they are soft and we can argue that it's harsh for a guy to go off the field for such an infringement but that is the rule so people need to stop whinging about these rules and saying it's unfair the rule is there stop being lazy either run with the man or let him go past you yeah stop checking it yeah no that's fair enough did you notice or you wouldn't have noticed this on the television but Jason McGee did injured himself in the very first ball he went for he spent nearly, I'd say, six, seven, eight minutes trying to gesture to the sideline to come off. Yeah. Now, Declan Bonner was interviewed afterwards and he said it was a dead leg. It couldn't have been a dead leg. He was his hamstring. And it looked very obvious to me with his hamstring. He couldn't run. And he was signalling to the bench. Now, this is a fellow who was an injury doubt before the game. You'd imagine the physio is locked on him for the first while. He, he continued on in that game, not being able to run. For it just It was completely out of... Um, the kind of professional standards you wouldn't see it in a club game anyways and Jason McGee was very inexperienced now immediately he should have just sat on the ground and then the game will have to be stopped so he was a bit stupid trying to play through you know well Bonner says it's a dead leg lads if it's a dead leg you don't go off in a championship game with a dead leg you just don't unless it's one that you literally can't walk on but he was jogging around freely you know it was like the hamstring went but not too badly so it just—it was just strange. Well, it, it's on to me. It's very bizarre because it's, it's on the back of Paddy McBrearty in the Kerry match with about, I'd say, maybe five ten minutes to go. And I saw him going over to the sideline and telling the sideline his hamstring was gone to take him off, and they left him on for the rest of the game. So, there, I'm kind of after seeing that, I'm kind of thinking, well, what the hell is going on with this Donegal management team? If players are telling them that they're physically injured and they can't continue, why are they leaving them on the field? Now, sometimes you can have guys who are a little bit soft on themselves and we see it, you know, there, there's always the guys in every club team or whatever that yeah. no matter whatever happens, they're going to lie down on the ground and by the time the physio gets to them, they're up and they run off again. But I mean, this is senior inter-county championship football. If Jason McGee is saying he's injured, I mean, that's not a weakness mentally that he's afraid no, of the battle. Now, if it's a dead leg, I would say it is mentally weak because he's jogging around on this dead but, but leg. T- now, but take why to the did point, Bonner say it's a dead he leg? He wouldn't have been looking to come off if it was a dead no. leg. Like he, but why Jason did Bonner McGee, say it was Jason a dead McGee leg? Jason walked off the pitch before yeah. they'd made a substitution and then I think had to come back on to be taken off. Like, I mean, I, I just think on the back of the Paddy McBrearty thing, I just find the whole thing a little bit unusual as to why if a player is saying he's injured he isn't immediately taken off like a muscle you can't run off a muscle no 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 if it is a dead leg um, I can understand the management maybe trying to get him to play on but that doesn't happen a player doesn't go off with a dead leg if they can continue on they give it a go they try and run the thing off yeah it looked to me that it was his hamstring it really looked like yeah, it was his hamstring and that's me, why yeah. I was very surprised to see those comments from, from Bonner but we might find out a little bit more about that we're going to cover that in, in part two anyways because like I mean the game yesterday in Oma was a complete waste of time like I mean both managers talked it up. Jim Gavin says, I thought the atmosphere was excellent today. The stand behind me was certainly full, as it was your side, I presume. I thought both teams went really hard at it. Great game of football. Great entertainment for the supporters who travelled up from Dublin and locally from Tyrone. 
Mickey Hart, the same thing. Did people not come along here in their droves and enjoy that or were they bored out of their heads watching that game? It was, inter- it was interesting for the people who were there. The players didn't show any sign of, oh, I wish we weren't here or this is no big sig- significant game. They gave it all they had and it's a lovely summer day in Oma to see 15,000 people here. I enjoyed that game today, even if I didn't enjoy the outcome. They must be the only two really that enjoyed that because it was just boring stuff like I mean like, I was considering flicking to the penalties in the charity shield it was gone that uh, boring look, it, was a fr- it was a challenge match that's why I mean, the reality was it was a challenge yeah, game yeah, yeah. it was it was, um, it was uh, yeah look both teams no, no criticism of either of them the players on the field were giving it a good effort absolutely nothing to do with that but in terms of the overall competition, both teams already qualified. It's it was like the the last group game in the Champions League match with both teams already qualified. Nobody cares. No second yeah. string teams and 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 people still go to watch these games because they because they like to watch a bit of sport. But I mean to to be talking the game up as anything other than what it was, which was a glorified challenge. Match. Well, it, I think both managers obviously are talking it up because they didn't want to disrespect the competition by picking uh, second string teams. So I can see their motivation for saying, "Oh, that was a great game." It wasn't a great game it was boring now I, I found myself very bored watching it the result was inevitable Dublin pushed the 3-4 yeah. points ahead it was all over Tyrone's second string not as good as Dublin's second string that's pretty much all you can say about it because I suppose the big talking point was that Dear McConnelly played um, I was very surprised at this I didn't think he'd see any game time he's only back in I mean, not very long at all I didn't think it was Jim Gavin's style to start pushing fellas forward ahead of the likes of Bernard Brogan who was on the bench who's worked like a dog for the last year to get back in um, so I just thought it was bizarre that he played in fairness it was a smart move playing in midfield when he did play because he just strolled around like I mean he got in no trouble he stayed on the outside of the throne screen he was like just an option to throw it back out he sprayed a few p- nice passes around I thought he played very well considering you know, he's done feck all in the last year and a half. But I, I actually think I could have played well in that role yesterday because he, he got into no um, kind of tackling situations. He was always on the outside of trouble. And that's why they played him midfield. It was the ultimate let's ease him back into it. Now, whether that is any preparation for what he'd get against Mayo, where you're constantly tracking runs, where you're being surrounded by people, where the intensity is in your face, it's zero prep. Now, I still think he'll see zero game time against Mayo unless they're three points down with, and with three or four minutes to go and it's the last throw of the dice. Yeah, uh, look, it's very hard to know. Look, if, you, if you're just to analyse his, his performance, look, it was, it was what you call almost the perfect reintroduction to yeah. inter-county football for him. He's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Like, I mean, ah, look, he didn't look out of place there no, after at, that long. Athletically, he's, he's, yeah. he's supreme. I mean, a couple of his bursts of acceleration, things like that. Yeah. And he's, look, he's all class off left and right. We know all of this. Like, yeah. There's nothing unusual about Connolly there. He's Con- an impressive just, athlete. Sorry, just to cut you off, but Connolly at full flow could have scored seven points yesterday if he really wanted to. Oh yeah, like I mean, to to me, he still looked like there was a there was definitely an obvious lack of sharpness from him at two or three years ago or four years ago, whenever we would have considered him to be at his peak, in terms of you know a ball into the keeper's hands, he was dispossessed at least once. Um, but I mean, you're you're going to expect that. I mean, the, the level, the the pace of club level football is different. And look, Conley, I would expect he would be able to adapt, and he strolled through the game yesterday. I mean, yeah. he actually looked more at ease in the game than almost a lot of the Dublin forwards. But then again, the role he was given, he wasn't playing as a forward, yeah. so it's easy to it's easy to look like uh, like you're cruising through the game when you just kind of stand around the middle and you have nobody tackling you for most of the game. That's it, and you have 
two or three options available of unmarked men all the time. So <laughs> let's be fair about it. It's it's absolutely zero preparation for, as you say, going into the cauldron of playing against Mayo. But nonetheless, it was nice to see him back. He's a stylish player. I mean, even 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 in a boring game, all the highlights are probably him yeah. kick, kicking kicking a thirty meter pass off the outside of his boots to an unmarked man. But yeah. look, nonetheless, it but looks see, good. Having <laughs> said that, having said that, no one else in the field was doing that. Oh, like, they could. Yeah, not, not it seems to. to be not able to that. Yeah. What Connolly was doing there was so was basic for him. He's just looking for an inside pass and he's given a yeah. nice one off the end. And there's no one else on the field doing that with that regularity. Exactly, it's just bizarre, yeah. isn't it? Like, Yeah, and like the, the players always seem to use him as a crutch. Like I know he was free out in that position, but they always throw it back to him. Like He does have this higher esteem yeah. within the panel, obviously. But I know, that, I know both sets of players were like giving it their all in that, but intent-wise, you know, there was no need to try and break a tackle. I don't even think... I think Patty Small broke a tackle early on and I don't remember that happening again. Yeah. You know, it was always like eventually somebody got free and they could have a shot or they could play a pass inside. Yeah, but you never no had major. to take anybody on. No, no, I completely agree. Wasn't it bizarre to see uh, Connolly... Like, he got a deserved black. No big deal with that. The game was nearly over. But it, it was laughing with Jim Gavin about it. Like, Jim Gavin has... I think he's a blind spot with this. I've never in my life... Jim Gavin is poker-faced from start of a game to the end of a game if a player walks off he doesn't even crack a smile he puts his hand out shakes their hand and ignores them as they walk past other than that he laughed about this black card I just think Jim Gavin is just acting a little bit weird about all this is he? Uh, well, I don't know. Look, to, to treat very unlike Jim Gavin, to yeah, be laughing <laughs> for number one, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then laughing at a black card uh, yeah, decision. No, uh, like, I mean, that, that, that was t- I thought that didn't show the game much respect. Yeah, look, fair enough. But I think in in reality, in order to treat people equally, you can't treat everybody the same. And maybe maybe it's taken a long time to get to that point with Connolly where he has to kind of treat him a little bit differently. He's almost treating him like the prodigal son here, you know. Yeah. He, you know, come back, Dermot. You know, I thought the line of uh, that Dermot loves Dublin G. Like it's just, and Dublin loves him. Dublin loves him. Well, <laughs> the fans love him, and rightly so, but it's just such a classic. I mean, it's... Um, uh, look, at, I don't know whether it's... Uh, He's just enjoying the crack and seeing uh, Jim Gavin himself is having a good laugh at all the the stuff in the media about Connolly and all that. And maybe together they're having a bit of a laugh about the whole thing. There's no doubt that if Connolly's back in there, look, the circumstances of him coming back into the fold, park that for one minute. The fact that he's in there, he's clearly a very intelligent footballer. You can see that by the way he conducts himself on the field. Does a guy of his experience and ability have something to offer a group like that? Absolutely he does. And he's clearly a far more talented and better player than a lot of the forwards they have in there. That's beyond debate. Yeah. But uh, it's just the timing of it all is, is, yeah. is where the question marks kind of have been have been I suppose have been brought up by the likes of ourselves. Yeah. Maybe. So now the well the answer is there now. He's got his game time. That's yeah. over and done with. The the analysis that this has been done to distract from the five in a row, that's all nonsense because that's over now. You know, now it, now it's the five in a row versus Mayo. It's not about Connolly anymore. He got his game um, he offers he definitely offers it's actually I don't know whether he's going to offer anything against Mayo because that game just didn't tell well, us whether uh, well he is I, or not I, well it's I, a weird t- one but I'll we'll talk you, about that on, well, on Thursday if you, were, if you were to judge it based on the performances based on their appearances as substitutes and everything else Dear McConnell is the first forward coming on for Dublin 
He has to. The rest of them have done nothing to show that they've they have they've come on in games for Dublin or Hammer teams and they've made no impact. Like Costello's going to be a sub because Dean Rock will start ahead of him. Really, you're talking about Costello and Connolly are the first two subs coming into the forwards in my mind. Right? Jeez, like, I don't know. But well, like, you're not going to play Ogar. Ogar offered nothing. No. Um, Kevin McManaman is is there, but he doesn't have the same punch that he used to have. Um, Bernard Brogan has fantastic movement and things like that, but he was a sub yesterday, which means he's way down the pecking order. Keen, yeah, but that's and that's pa- true. Paddy Small has gotten loads of opportunities, and he can't be trusted because he'd probably get the ball and kick it wide. You're coming on right against Mayo, and instead of being in the pocket and getting hand passes back to you, you're spraying around. You're looking good, doing all the stuff that you're brilliant at. Now you're chasing after Paddy Durkin, and you're gasping for air because but you haven't played. But he's played for twenty. He's only going to have to play for 15, 20 yeah, minutes. But it'll take you ten minutes to get over your wind when you're chasing lads like, I mean, uh, No but I'm making the point that when you compare him it's not about whether he's able to do that or not the point is he's better than all the rest oh of them Oh yeah well that's sure he's so, better so than anyone on the starting team if we're being honest like well, I mean if you don't go know, that far I don't think you can say that at the minute but if Oh well you, a better footballer a be- He's naturally a better and more talented player but those those six players are probably they're embedded now in the team there's no debate but I'm talking about the guys that are coming in off the bench the impact that Dublin were getting off their bench in other years was what was getting them over the line the, their bench is not improving the team anymore no I agree the, the bench is weakening the team Connolly if he comes on won't weaken the team I'm not saying that he at this point I don't know whether he would strengthen the team or not because he's just been out of it for so long and I totally accept it's different to swanning around in a challenge match than playing in the the hyper-competitiveness of an All-Ireland semi-final but he's not going to significantly weaken the team and I at the minute from from the form and from the performances I've seen from a lot of the other players with the exception of maybe Sean Bugler the rest of the players are making the team worse than the guys they're coming on for yeah okay I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll accept that point I'll, you mentioned the Jim Gavin Dermot loves Dublin myself and a few myself and the fellow players love him because he's so committed to the cause now that was the bit I thought was unbelievably so committed to the cause he literally tried to go to Boston three weeks ago like isn't it Jim Gavin and I'd love to yeah, I just read these quotes they're on RT website I'd love to have just seen him saying it because I'd say it was just this sm- yeah, sm- audio smirk on the side. I love the video <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll move on from that we might mention something on that on, on Thursday's show um, have to give Mead a mention here Keen. you were at this one Groundhog game I'd say for Mead competitive like can every game follow the same kind of you know routine what's the hell's going on here yeah our look Mead are they've they've achieved exactly what you would expect this season really like they've done well they've, they've hit all their markers and it's a fair reflection of where they are currently as a group in, in my view they're they're that probably there might there mightn't quite be the nine or eight or nine points, but I suppose that's the evidence of the results. So maybe they are, but they're probably anywhere from four to ten points worse than the the kind of the teams around them in Division One. And obviously, then I would see Dublin as being you know probably eight or ten points ahead of that group again, and that's the sixteen points they beat Mead by, <laughs> you know. And Mead are probably four or five or six points better than the next group of teams below them. Yeah. So they're they're very competitive. They've. Uh, you know, in terms of their work rate, how they're set up, they're they're a difficult team probably to play against and get scores against. They defend very well. They have huge work rate throughout the team, and really where they're found lacking is they just can't keep the scoreboard taking over for long enough. So when when the when the energy leaves the legs, 
uh, in the second half they can't uh, I suppose make the same ground or punch the same holes in the opposition which limits their scoring power and in terms of um, players coming in off the bench the team is kind of weakened with players more often than not the team is getting weaker as substitutions are yeah, made they need Pert- some more players particularly up front so look that may come from the improvement in some of the younger players that you know with the experience of this year maybe they'll kick on and be better next year or maybe they just need to find a few more players it's 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 very hard to know like players will naturally some players will improve and get to the level and look it's been very positive for them I'm sure they'll go into next season really looking forward to it yeah yeah. that's I think all they, you can really yeah. say about it at the minute like very positive and disappointing maybe with the way Shane Walsh got three from play yeah. yesterday that was a good uh, really return good from him for I think him. he's yeah. better than Conlon he's more tougher he's a bigger fella I think Conlon's always going to suffer has, from his size he just has size. that physical presence yeah. that, that Conlon doesn't have Conlon's movement is superb but Mead would need to have far more territory in the game and be playing in those lovely little passes from kind of the 45 or within to like that they were able to against Leash for example where yeah. Conley was able to our Conlon was able to make hay because his just movement is so good and he's sharp off the mark but when the ball is coming from the half back line no. it's I don't think the modern out. game a fella that size can 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 make it very, like very, I've seen it with Donny very, Brennan very and Leash myself yeah, it's, very very, it's, it's just incredibly difficult I, I, I just don't see how it's possible the space is at a premium and too many players can get hands on you so you know so there's no real way of avoiding all this contact as much anymore you know so like I mean I can't see how he will uh, the children on the hill were fantastic I know they invaded the field at half time we've seen that 101 times but it's very old school to see a ball go over the bar and have 30 children <laughs> killing each other to get their hands in this ball it brought me back years ago in a moor park we'd do it with slitters in hurling games the ball would go over and it might it'd go over the net and Jesus you could really get a few tumps if you're down close enough to get this ball there's a mad scramble to get it but it was just brilliant to see it I don't know I just, just bring us back to the grassy banks and stuff like that I love it they put terraces on the grass bank on the town end did they? No well I think that what they have done is <laughs> they're actually they have they have a bit of fencing up to keep people off the bank but I don't know these kids are able to find their way in and <laughs> ah, yeah. in fairness it can't be there's not enough stewards there to look after it but uh, ah, look it's good it provides uh, a bit of colour to the whole thing I mean it definitely the, does the best games uh, you know I was at in Navin were always where you know there was a big gang up on the bank behind the goals and it just creates that cauldron of having people all the way around the ground like a nice bowl and it, it's actually a good viewing point it's it's high enough up so um, yeah it's uh, good to see it and a bit of crack as well yeah definitely was Peter Keane was complaining about the wind so he says we're reasonably happy we're reasonably happy at half time because we had played against a strong wind we didn't think the wind was going to die like it did in the second half but we're reasonably be- reasonably happy we always expected a battle and we've just got to survive the battle the the wind just completely went did it this is a apparently so <laughs> <laughs> and Clifford had a back spasm but he's going to be okay for next week so that's kind of the, the talking points out of that one yeah well look it's, it'd be great for Kerry to get Clifford back and as things turned out of his back is alright he's had a nice little two week rest yeah. which um, when they get through is definitely of benefit because it's the the week turnaround from an intense game can be quite difficult yeah definitely they're going to need him so Roscommon finished the season on a high and it turns out to be a very good year for them let's be honest they've beaten both Mayo, Roscommon and Cork um, in the championship so that's fine the the blot and they performed alright against Tyrone at home the blot is the hammering against uh, Dublin but a lot of teams come, come in for that kind of treatment Cunningham said we targeted a win this weekend we really wanted this yeah, this year's campaign to finish with a first Super 8s win for us coming that looked like it was definitely more intensity in that game and there was a bit of hitting in it there was six I hadn't seen one, two, three, four, five, six <laughs> yellow cards flashed in a row after a little uh 
a little melee there was a lot of hard men stuff holding jerseys and stuff like that but the referee just did a a, a six <laughs> have you ever seen him doing that yeah. before well, like fair play to them because it, it would have been the easiest thing in the world just for players to pick up an injury you know in the week leading up to it couldn't be bored of a trip to Cork you know just take me out for the season now. like so the fact that they went down and obviously they did have that targeted like let's get a win in the Super Eights we did much better against Tyrone now we've got this target to complete. Yeah, both teams yeah. wanted it. Both teams wanted to win it. There's no doubt about that. But there was some very dodgy defending from Cork. Like I mean, Mark Collins for Stack's first goal was just awful defending. He's on goal side of him, and just gets completely wrong footed, and it's an easy goal. And then Kaloran's goal at the end. Sean White just ignored the one two. So he's marking Kaloran. He just throws it into Stack. And then White just dis- says, oh, well, that's it. Phew, he's gotten rid of it. Kaloran <laughs> just goes and it takes a- And White had just given up, had stopped. So there was still that kind of, you know, maybe, I don't know, you would have tracked that in a, yeah, in a really a, championship game. Yeah, maybe a, a lack of bite when there's nothing really at stake. But they're the sorts of things that a manager would be looking at and probably obviously be pointing out to next season or whatever and just saying, like, these are the weaknesses mentally that we have that we need to sort out to be that ruthless team that kicks on a level. Um but for us, common, it's been a fantastic season yeah. for them. And on the back of the hammering they got off Dublin, like that, that would have hurt their pride as well because of, you know, the fact that they've beaten Mayo and, and beaten Galway this season. They would have been seeing themselves as a team that could really compete in the Super 8s and look if Mayo are in the All-Ireland semi-final I mean Roscommon will be looking at that saying we've the measure these lads sure we're as good as them why couldn't it be us see styles make fights true and so, provincial championship makes fights yeah, so local rivalry makes absolutely, fights absolutely yeah, yeah. But, that's, but that's from their perspective that's what they'd be looking at so the, the win for them was probably more important that Cork might have wanted the win but I think Roscommon for their own esteem and they needed to win really yeah. even though it was a nothing game from everyone else for Roscommon I think it wasn't a important yeah. game Enda Smith what a beautiful finish that was lads because when you take the ball at that pace the easy thing to do is just to lace that off the inside of roots and he just like that's it takes a lot of skill to place that with that amount of power we said that on the show loads of times as Tomas Clancy tried to, f- to ankle tap him like Peter <laughs> Stringer as he was going through didn't he would have been getting a black card if he got that that was a brilliant goal so it was a really good win for Roscommon and like I said they'll be absolutely delighted with their season and they should have they had a really good chance of staying up in Division 1-2 which they hadn't done under previous management because they beat Monaghan and they drew with Tyrone in, you know in Division 1 so like I mean they had a really good season there's no point in saying anything else yeah, Tomas Clancy somebody who's really stood out for me in the Super 8's just now that you mention him just, uh, there's a nice bit of dog in him like I really I really like his I really like the cut of his jib oh yeah <laughs> any ankle tapper you like yeah. anyways that's the Ulster coming out new but Cork just a quick mention on Cork so obviously they lost they lost the three uh, Super 8 games but in general it's a positive year the under 20's had a brilliant win I saw just one or two small highlights out of this but like I mean to come from 1-6 to no score down their manager Keith Rickon said the big thing was that they were trying to solve their own problems. I really like that. He he's like he's not taking credit for the team turning around this one six to no score. Big thing is that they're trying to solve their own problems. It's a thing we all do. What else were we going to do? Crawl into a corner. There was no corner here. There was going to be another 45, 50 minutes to play and we're not looking good. It was either man up and die. And bloody man up they did. Definitely did. There's no doubt to come back and win it the way they did against Dublin. Incredible stuff and great scenes then as well. And, you know, you add that, I think they're in the minor uh, semi-final too. So now all of a sudden, 
Cork I was reading a comment someone says Cork football doesn't ever go away we just take a few you know years <laughs> off every now and then yeah. but listen I would be fantastic to see Cork back in the in the top level we need those top level teams Did you see uh, Cahill O'Mahony's interview afterwards after the under 20 game? No Jeez oh, it was powerful stuff inspirational like, you know, really? always shouting down the camera and he was like we're dogs and we're dogs that fight in a pack so we just kept our pack going and we kept our county going Oh very good <laughs> Very good Hair raising stuff goosebumps here now <laughs> just hearing that so yeah that's brilliant like I mean the Ar- the Archer goal was comical lads wasn't it because like I mean not only was it a bad kick out how did he let it in it was only a little dribbler <laughs> it wasn't even a, a, a hard shot it was just I'd say Archer just swung his leg at it and went here look he might not be back in goals and he had made it maybe he just made it ahead of the ball and ran over and yeah. ran over Archer's it. such a goal scorer you know you just think <laughs> he had this all calculated yeah, in his head yeah, he, just, yeah. he says ah oh, no this is too easy I'll try and nutmeg your if, man on the I line if I calculate his steps running back <laughs> and hit it at this power I will nutmeg him and, and I remember there's a little divot just before the line <laughs> <laughs> this Archer is unbelievable <laughs> um, yeah so that's it so congratulations to Cork on the under 20 um, last bit of news from the weekend before we get into Mayo Donegal talk is Paul Galvin is gone to Wexford this was a bit very left field I suppose himself and Davy fighting over dual players would be worth the, the entrance fee to the meeting alone um, he said it was an interesting comment he made while I don't see myself as a GA manager in the conventional sense this was in the Sunday Times that he writes in while I don't see myself as a GA manager in the conventional sense taking on the Wexford senior job is something I'm comfortable with because of the calibre of people I've experienced at board level I'm not sure what he means about not being a conventional manager you know I will listen we'll, we'll see when he takes over what he ex- I, he didn't expand on that but that would be the first question I'd be asking him what does that mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it so listen that's the last bit of news lads have no comment on I, that. I, I, he there's just, no point you know, in speculating on it know, he's so intriguing Paul Galvin you know? <laughs> <laughs> right okay we'll be back in part two and we'll do some analysis on Mayo Donegal Are you want to get up or you want to stay in bed? I, I said, we have a game there about half three. If you, <laughs> if you, if you, wouldn't, mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us. <laughs> didn't even stir like, didn't even go for the back. Took his line, took his extra five minutes. It was like, it was like the snooze button. Hit the, hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. So that's it, Mads. Mayo one fourteen, Donegal um, one ten. So Mayo were by far the better team. It's actually a funny one in that Donegal didn't perform at all and could were well in the game. Which is it, it, it's funny that we talk Mayo up for a brilliant performance. Donegal were very very poor, and yet there was nothing really in it. You know, like I mean, it's hard to understand that. Yeah, look, it was a game where there was so many kind of skill errors from both teams. The the finishing from both teams was was desperately bad. Um, attacking play from Donegal in the first half was just dire at times. Um, when well, they were living off scraps now, yeah, Mayo dominated them. They were, but at the same time, there was, there's a reason for that. It's because they, of their use of possession. They were taking the ball into contact, getting turned over. Their movement obviously wasn't good enough. Support play wasn't good enough. So they were the architects of their own downfall. Now, Mayo... Don't get me wrong, Mayo brought a level of intensity to it in the first half that Donegal didn't match. 
And then Donegal in the second half took over for large periods and I think they might have missed six shots in a row at a time where there was only maybe two points oh, in no. it. Murphy got it back to one with that inspirational point and then they went on a roll of missing. They went, I Murphy they missed, missed two. Mur- well, Murphy missed two easy ones. Langan missed two from the similar, a similar side. Yeah. Um, McLuhan missed an easy one. Now maybe there was a little, oh, there was a thing to have been pushed out to three or four at that stage. But like Donegal definitely weren't at the race like they weren't at the races they just weren't at the races outside of one or two Darrow Boyle Michael Murphy for a while even though Murphy was uncharacteristically sloppy in that second half with a free and the one from play when they really needed it but yeah they just didn't they, they didn't show up I suppose let's, let's start with Mayo and how they're able to bring that level of intensity and other teams can't do that. And my my opinion is is that game was played on Mayo terms. That that was a similar game to Mayo Dublin, for example. It was pairing up pretty much all over the field. Donegal were dropping McFadden back as a sweeper, which I think is a huge mistake. The same as Colm Cavanagh in Tyrone. When you're playing a man on man game, it's the same analysis with Tyrone. You can't lose that big man from out around there. So you you're losing him by going in as a sweeper. So now you're down a big man. You're down Jason McGee. Michael Murphy played in the full forward line for the whole of the second half. Look who you're missing. Mayo dominating them out around the middle of the field because you've got men versus boys. But it's men versus boys because you're pulling McFadden, who's a big lump, who could physically put it up to O'Shea. And he's running off O'Shea. He was marking O'Shea. He's going off O'Shea. Like yeah, giving him too much freedom. Yeah, too much freedom. Aidan O'Shea then can, can, dic- can, can er, dictate the pace of the game. He pretty much has a free role. Yeah, well... Uh, the, the wind is always a factor in these games at Castlebar. It's almost like a league match with the weather conditions. Um, I thought Mayo handled it well in the first half and that Colin Boyle dropped off as a sweeper. They didn't need... He was able to sweep because Donegal had uh, McFadden dropping deep, which meant Mayo were all able to just drop a line. They conceded the kickouts, almost all the kickouts to uh, to Donegal, let Donegal work their way up the field Uh Brought them down a blind alley. A Donegal man had stepped inside with weather conditions, a, a decent hit and the ball was spilled and then Mayo broke at pace and yeah. squandered a lot of opportunities but got some to get them into the lead. And look, let's be honest, Mayo got a complete fluke of a goal as well. Like without that fluke of a goal, it's a, it's a different contest as well near the end of the game. So I think while like Mayo did bring a level of intensity, there was there was damn all in the game and, and Mayo's wastefulness again almost cost him like Darren Cohen yeah. missed a guilt edge chance Andy Moore missed one in the second half after a great bit of work but like there's on the base of that performance I mean they won't keep it kicked out to Dublin in my view because no. they're just going to miss like even if they get forward so they're not able to put the ball over the bar Cohen was uh, kind of half asleep Paddy McGrath must have won three or four kickouts in the first half alone and you know that was who he was responsible well, you see, for but, so well, I think Boyle was, was dropping miss. off like Mayo only had kind of five forwards um, there so they were always going to be out, outgunned it was it was very easy for Donegal to get their kickouts away um, short and popped out to the wing you could see the full forward liner trying to split two men inside trying to split three defenders Patton's very good he's just clipping them out to the wing and Donegal are away but Mayo were pl- saying we have the wind advantage here let's sit back Donegal won't be able to break us down and get scores and they were really they were kind of that, that was proven to be correct in the first half yeah well, what, okay just what's your take on McFadden sweeping what's your take on any midfielder sweeping it's so dumb why go back two lines to do oh, a no, job I, that I'd a centre back can I, do it, it I don't no 
don't said, understand it. Well, like, it worked against Tyrone that time and I think they just continued it on because he doesn't seem to have the instinct of a sweeper. He's going in there and the idea against Tyrone was Cahill McShane. So there was perfect logic to that. But how is McFadden going to be sweeping in front of Killian O'Connor and Cohen? They're not fast. Someone else will get back and double up if needed. You're just pulling a midfielder out from who should be in O'Shea's face, making it hard for him. It just seemed bizarre tactic. Yeah, and, and at times he actually was in it. Like, if you if you, if you you could pause the match at times when Mayo had the ball maybe out around the 45 and the play was slowed up, McFadden was standing in on the 21-metre line with no Mayo forwards around him. Now... Callum Kavanagh kind of does that as well. That's the way he plays that sweeper role. And maybe McFadden is looking at the way he does it and he's kind of trying to copy it. Which is, I suppose, you're trying to con- to prevent any goal. A being goal, conceded. someone breaking so, the truth. So someone breaks through the line and then you have the second line of defence. Boyle plays it a little bit further out. Not quite, you know, at times he's a bit late to the party as well. But he, he is engaging players a little bit further out the field. Um, look... Uh, it's hard to know. Like, it, if 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 the opposition make bad decisions and come in on top of you, you can look like it can look like a brilliant plan. But to me, allowing good players possession of the ball unopposed further out the field um, is a recipe for disaster. A little bit like an example I give is in the Mead uh, Kerry match for about the first ten or fifteen minutes of the game. Uh, Shane McEntee for Mead was dropping trying to drop back in to, to cover the centre half back position to allow Pora Karn in the centre back to kind of cover in in front of the of the full back line but sure it just meant that David Moran was picking up the ball totally unopposed and dictating and playing the, in the killer balls because he's not going to kick it to the sweeper anyway yeah so, unless a forward pushes down on so, him but like, yeah, no, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of things have to happen I, I don't I agree with you I think having to drop the two lines is a bit much like I think it, the, the concept of everybody sort of dropping a line and communicating that and passing somebody on is good to, to provide you to have cover in your defence I do that's a very valid thing and that's the right way to defend but I don't believe in having a guy stationed in there idle um you know, not engaging in the play. Uh, just, it, it's too, they're not involved in the play enough. I think that if somebody gets to the point, I, I always like to see a bit of pressure on the ball. Yeah. Really you're down saying. a man. You're down a man from the midfield area. Like, there's no doubt about that. So then, okay, you're not down a man cause, un- unless Colin Boyle enters the, the fray. But what, what happens when Colin Boyle enters the fray and pulls a man towards him? Then there's a man over. Now, the problem with Donegal is they were going so man for man that Mayo just had to beat one and they were kind of through because Donegal haven't got this game plan down. Tyrone don't have it down because they're too used to zonal players. Mayo have it down to the point where they will abandon their man and come and double up. How many times do we see two or three Mayo lads? Dublin can do that. Mayo and Dublin are the best at pairing off one-on-one but not being married to following that man forever. They still can snuff out danger. They know if Aidan O'Shea gets one big strong hand in I'm, I'm getting over there. O'Shea, O'Shea will slow him down enough. I'm getting a, And because the way they're all paired off, there might be 26 players in the half. So the space is massively cut down. Yeah, exactly. So you can, you do can that. afford so to leave you your man and you can still absolutely. get back. Someone and will get you, yeah. But here's the... Like, I mean, how many training sessions, and I think some managers are gone overboard on it, let's play a hand-passing game and let's get the intensity. In those hand-passing games, it's not always a fist from the fella marking that... that that gets that fist away it's a loopy pass over someone's head and someone else coming across and and opening that you know what I mean that is the game now that if you're committing to pushing everybody up into an attack and knowing that everyone's going to be paired off 
it's it's basically a similar hand passing game where you can absolutely just abandon your man and like if you throw a loopy ball with Mayo across, over someone's head with Mayo, you won't have a cop yeah. before someone's coming in and taking you and ball out. If you if you watch McFadden though. Uh, this is why I don't think it's him just deciding to do it. When he's going back, he's instructing a few other lads to drop with him. Like he'll turn around to O'Boyle and McHugh and tell them to get back as well as soon as Donegal lose the ball. And p- part of the reason maybe because it's such a big wide pitch and Donegal are just spooked about just yeah. having somebody no, taken the, out with a hand He's the only pass. one going back now because I'm watching him. Like I mean, and it was at one point they want one sweeper back there at all times. It's always him. He turns around and runs backwards at the ball. But there was one short ball Aidan O'Shea got to the wing and McFadden had to follow him because they were pressed up in the kick out. And McFadden started tackling him and Kieran Thompson turned around with his back from the goal and sprinted back into that spot too. So the, que- the, the instruction is obviously we want McFadden back there but if he can't get back there then somebody has to fill up that, that yeah. gap. So they're, they're, whatever way to do it they're always going to be a man down out around that mid- midfield. So they're offering the team up. I just, you you don't see Dublin doing that. Let's be honest. And you you don't see Mayo doing that. And they're the teams that are, are good at this, you know, this game plan. And I think Tyrone and Donegal need to learn from that and say, hang on, what level are we trying to get to? Are we trying to go a bit more attacking? Are we committing more bodies to the, to yeah. the forward? Well, then we can't be losing our midfielder out of it. But, but what you'll see Dublin and Mayo do is still clog up the 65 like they'll Absolutely. get back yeah, to a they point get, they get, a, they get a load of bodies back there yeah. and they block it all up but they're uh, I haven't seen a Dublin defender standing by himself no, no. with no with no opposition players around it, does that make sense sweeping, like, in, front sweeping in front of the goalkeeper <laughs> yeah. like I haven't seen that now I'm not saying it doesn't happen of course it can randomly happen through the course of a game because sometimes that's what happens people get back and they get into a position and all of a sudden they're in the cover and they ball watch for a second they forget what they're doing but it's a pattern that uh, Tyrone that's how that's how Sean Kavanagh sweeps Hugh McFadden to me looks like he's almost trying to copy what Sean Kavanagh has done whereas to me the role of the sweeper was always to try and anticipate where a pass was going and double up not to play effectively as a, uh, a reserve fullback or a second goalkeeper because yeah. that's what the role that McFadden seemed to be doing, to my to my mind, it does like imagine Fenton doing that. Like, I mean, what are David Moore? It's madness. It's your midfielder. Yeah, this is supposed to be uh, arguably your most important players on the field. Yeah, and you're, you're using one of them just to get out of there and go back in behind yeah, like the fullback. Whatever yeah. about your like players should be getting back into defensive positions and blocking up zones and making it difficult for the opposition to break you down and uh, and cut their way through you. But to me, like a guy like McFadden or some of these big, strong midfielders, I would be stationing them, I mean, maybe just inside the 45 metre line or on it and engaging the opposition there rather than allowing teams to bring it into the shooting zone. Yeah. And then trying to engage yeah. them. But to me, that's too late. It's a waste of a big lump of a fella. Yeah. Like you th- know, it just is. Like mid- it's your midfielder. Ain't no shade. Like, Neil Gallagher was amazing for Donegal on the 45. David Moore, you said, like, you know, this is where they do their best work. They're ac- it's actually <laughs> safer for you to have them out there where they're interfering with the yeah. play rather than standing back watching. As the two O'Shea's did what they wanted out there. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I just doesn't make sense to me. That's where the game was, the, the game was definitely won for Mayo in and around that area. And and then you have second half Murphy full forward gone out of it. You have McFadden gone the other side as a full back and Jason McGee gone off the field. 
Jesus, like, think about what's, what, you know, like, I mean, it makes no sense. But they got a good start to the second half, Donegal. They obviously got the penalty. O'Donnell, who was good, uh, in fairness, probably the only one who stood up and scored two good points from play, he went in on the inside forward line. Michael Murphy went to the full forward line. Lee Keegan followed Murphy in until he fouled Murphy for the, the penalty and then Murphy kicked that brilliant score put one in it they changed Keegan off him and Stephen Cohen went on Murphy and did well on Murphy so that was smart Cohen cleaned out Langan the whole game Cohen has turned around on me I suppose it was a baptism of fire having to mark Stephen O'Brien down in Killarney and that was it but they got all their matchups brilliantly Harrison roasted Brennan who's gone off the ball completely for a man he's playing with no confidence for a man who shot the lights out in Ulster it's bizarre Barrett did a uh, great job in McBrearty Went up, scored a point. McBrearty did to David Clifford. I'm not following him. I went. He went across to Boyle, maybe, which was fair enough. But then the problem, not unlike Kerry, is that nobody ended up marking Barrett. <laughs> nobody, you know, he pawned them off to no one. Um, Cohen cleaned out Langan, like I said. Keegan did very well on Murphy. And Paddy Durkin, we're going to hold off on Paddy Durkin on McHugh until performance of the weekend. Perfect matchups. But that's the great beauty of Mayo. They have matchups for anyone. Like they just have that, and they'll always have that they ha- at the back and midfield. Yeah, they have a great mix there. And even if even if one of their lads, I mean, like even if one of their players is getting a bit of a tough time, they they just stick at it and stick at it. And even if a guy is kicking a couple of scores off one of their defenders, by God, it's going more often than not, it's going to be very hard for them. Look, the meltdown against Kerry aside, you get you get nothing easy off those Mayo defenders. It, it, you know the guy that's that's nailed down, who's picked to, to man up on you, is going to give you your fill of it for the full seventy. You might win a couple of balls early, but come the latter stage of the game, they're going to be still going hard at it. So. Um, yeah, look, they, they just deserve huge credit again. I mean, they're just they're just a group of warriors. Like, they are, and when warriors. it gets to a real battle like that, you do tend to think that they're 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 going to come out on the right side of it. Like, I think so. And next week is going to be a wet day in Croke Park. Like, I mean, the forecast is for rain for the next. Are week. Dublin playing with thirteen men? Or? Well, I'd say. Well, I'd say Mayo would really want a wet, slippy day and turn of that into a total would, yeah. battle. That Mayo, when they get into a battle, James Horn said after the game, I thought the application and work rate were superb right through. The turnovers we won in the first half and the tackles the guys put in and that's it just the tackles they put in the hands they got on the doubling up the getting the bodies in the physicality Donegal couldn't live with that and maybe like I mean Donegal need to learn a big lesson because they came up short against Tyrone last year too in a game that turned out to be that kind of physical not every game is going to be a Kerry shootout in Crow Park you know what I mean and Kerry have to learn that as well that when it came to a physical battle in Crow Park against Mayo Kerry were found wanting do you know what I mean? That's Mayo's strength. It's getting that into mm. a bloody fight. When it's knockout, Mayo seem to bring the best out of themselves yeah. as well when it's all on the line. And that, yeah, that's two years in a row where Donegal had a knockout to get through to the semi-final and obviously didn't take their chance. Yeah, well, look, at there, there are... There. There are people and there are players who can just who just raise their level. They're a totally different animal if they're playing in a league game or if they're playing in a yeah. in a non-event type of game. You know, they don't look too much, but. By God, when it comes to championship, they just go to a different place and knockout, yeah, yeah. And these these Mayo boys have shown over the last decade that they have the capacity to go to that, and they're capable of playing, probably playing above themselves, really, to be competing with Dublin the way that they do. But they're the only ones that have shown the capacity to do it. Yeah, they really are. Like I mean, and nobody else is is really putting Dublin to that place where Dublin have to go to the well to beat them. Yeah. Mayo have consistently done that. like, And that's why setting up the game for next weekend is just brilliant because 
on the basis of all the evidence we've seen uh, when they haven't played each other Dublin are going to hammer Mayo but on the basis of the games that they've played against each other in championship at this stage Mayo are going to perform just way better than they have done at any point this season and I suppose that's what we're all banking on again that Mayo are going to have the ability to do that Yeah we definitely like I mean we have to give Henley a mention because he's only in because Clark got injured and he went long with 21 of his 24 kickouts. He went short and got got in awful sorts of trouble and he was a terrible uh, ball from McHugh to, to Brennan. Um, but went long. But why wouldn't he go long? McGee was gone off. I keep repeating this. <laughs> <laughs> McGee was gone off. Murphy's in the full forward line. You've got the two O'Shea's as targets and it's like, you know... McFadden's full back. Yeah, well, no, in <laughs> fairness to McFadden, he's out in midfield for the kickouts. But the minute that that's not won, he's just running back in, you know? So you've lost that. I'm talking about that physicality in general play. But like, I mean, it made sense to go along. Mayo had all the big strong... Of course, and even if Mayo lose it, Mayo are at their best anyway when they're counter-attacking at speed and they have runners from their half-back line. Mayo are not as good when the play gets slowed up and they have possession and they have to dictate the tempo. Mayo are at their best when their backs to the wall, you know, eight or ten men inside their own ha- uh, you know eight or twelve men inside their own half and then they have to really break at pace and it's one ball played up to Andy Moore and probably in the corner who lays it off to a runner and another runner coming like that's when they're at their most dangerous yeah. so I think at times may are such good defenders they'll soak it up and they'll try and pick the right times for hitting on the counter so by kicking long even if they lose it they're well set up defensively and I, you know they're not going to be when they go short is actually where I worry about them because they concede cheaper scores than they ordinarily do Yeah so they just get it the only thing is the O'Shea's won't have that same midfield dominance against the likes of Fenton like I mean they struggle so now they're now that strength against Donegal will now become a weak you know what I mean will become a weakness unless they can pull Fenton to one side and try and leave someone fight with Michael Darren McCauley and work on breaks because Dublin are brilliant at the breaks yeah, but like, I mean, I'd, be, I'd be much more worried for Mayo if they were clipping it short to uh, someone in the cornerback position. Well me too with Dublin's press yeah, yeah definitely like I'm looking forward to that show I think Ruan has to mark Fenton I think he looked lively enough and he's the legs for him and then maybe put Aidan O'Shea on Michael Dara you could, at least he's an option to outfetch Michael Dara uh, then the Seamus O'Shea doesn't start so it's not easy to pick that Mayo midfield at this stage and taking Aidan O'Shea out of there would be you know a, a big risk at this stage but Henley 21 of 24 long maybe we'll see that again because Dublin's press is just as aggressive as Donegal's press was as aggressive as they can I think this idea of um pressing up on the kickouts I've said this before kickout analysis bores me to tears because every county is trying to press after a set play it's not always possible from general play McFadden has to come all the way up the field from where he has been it's just been a point kicked from play you know a quick fire point like a good ball into Murphy from O'Donnell over the bar now McFadden has to get all the way up while Henley's sprinting out there it's not worth his while so I hate this idea I don't think any team's giving up any kick out right they're just not they're all trying to win kickouts. It's just not always possible to reset for them. So can we leave kickout analysis <laughs> and pressing up on the kickout alone? Yeah, I, I don't want to sound like uh, Jimmy Sloyan, but I wonder, like, Aidan O'Shea surely prefers Henley there as well. Like, we all know, like, you know, the difference between him and Clark, but the flight of the ball is just nicer for a midfielder to go and fetch. I know, we it's know not that coming down. Well, that's that's exactly him. why he got picked for that All Ireland final that year. Yeah. But this is the thing: this was used as a stick to beat Mayo with and Rochford with. I covered that game. I think I was back with off the ball. And I remember saying, that's a good move. 
based for his kickouts. It's a very, it's a brave move. And for me, it's a good move because Clark was a little bit all over the place and we know Clark isn't good at them. It's only because Henley ended up giving away the penalty and having a bit of a stinker. Everyone's like, I didn't see anyone brave enough to say that was a stupid decision before the game. No, well, it was. Look, it's, it I mean, made sense. Bef- it, it yeah, made it made sense, sense before the game. Yeah, I mean, look, oh, look, I don't want to really get into it again. It's the same stuff over <laughs> and over again about Clark and Henley. Like, of course, Henley is your first choice keeper if you're basing it on your restarts. If you're basing it on shot stopping, it has to be Clark. But does Clark, how many one on ones is he going to have to save in a game? Henley didn't have any one on ones to save the other day. So, therefore, his kickouts are mar- far more important than his shot stopping ability. Yeah. Well, there's mistakes There's mistakes in Henley that there's not in Clark. That's the problem. I agree with that. You know, so that's. that's, that's uh, in order, what did Roch would say, in order to gain something, sometimes you have to, to give, give something, something, <laughs> yeah. something else up. Uh, just quickly, one last point. Uh, what was Paddy McGrath doing for the Killian O'Connor goal? Like he's marking, the ball's on the half forward line and he's marking from five yards in front. And I've said this on the show before. Mark from the front when the ball's in the other side of the field. Absolutely. Because then you look up and all you see is a body in front of your man and then you have to take a solo hop. Someone out the field might get a hand in. Marking from the front there's, there's, it's never a question of do you always do that or do you never do it you do both so you mark from the front when there's a big gap but when the ball's on that bloody half forward line like even if Doherty wasn't going for a point there he could easily have kicked it in over his head it's suicidal to mark from the front like that when the ball has has gone that far up the field yeah, and I actually thought of you, it was um, Paddy McGrath the first time, three different players, so the ball came, came into Andy Moran and he rolled three different players, you know that one where you were saying Keane was coming out? I was going to hold that for performance <laughs> of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well Andy Moran just rolled three of them and it was McFadden Ferry, it was McGrath and it was Ward, like every time and he just let the ball come into him and the other three yeah. just got taken. Because Sean O'Shea did it for his goal yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, sorry for running for yeah, yeah, I hate when people do that to me. <laughs> I was, that was a good talking point for performance of the weekend. Right, listen, we leave it there and we'll be back with Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend. advice he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you Okay, so Paddy Power Performance the weekend. The first nomination is Paddy Durkin. Um, simply outstanding. Uh, the obvious one to follow, McHugh. The gas thing about this is watching this at the match is Paddy Durkin marked Mark McHugh or Ryan McHugh, but Ryan McHugh didn't mark Paddy Durkin. So Ryan McHugh used Paddy Durkin being on the ball as an opportunity to maybe get away from him when, you know, the ball would work out. But in general, Durkin was kicking it dead running straight back out and now he's glued to McHugh for when Donegal have it. So Ryan played the wrong game in this uh, matchup. He should have marked and this was the this was the analysis with Gavin White. Maybe the only thing with Ryan McHugh is to hammer the hammer and go right well you might and Kerry did the right thing when he got the black card. You might be dangerous but what's the best thing for Ryan McHugh is if he's just marked for the whole game 
and he makes runs whenever he wants to make runs and he does all that what happens when now he has to mark someone who's equally good going forward like Durkin it was the perfect one but we know managers don't always pick the perfect you know the one that's predicted by everyone yeah exactly it's it's someone that has the running power and the pace to to cause him problems going the other way and it's it's interesting even you mentioned Gavin White there he picked up Donald Keoghan as well in the the Mead Kerry match and it's the quietest game Keoghan had for Mead all year because he's I suppose he's occupied having to having to fight a fire with someone else as well. So Ryan McHugh really plays. He's always he always wears the number five. It's like his he's squad wi- number. Yeah, he's wing forward um, a lot, mostly. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time he plays there, and he, he doesn't really do a huge amount of defensive work because Donegal need him making things happen on the attacking side of the pitch. Like I mean, I mean it's a, it's Murphy and it's McHugh, and if 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 they're not having a big inf- influence and not getting their hands on a lot of ball, I mean Donegal don't have a lot. Um, of real ingenuity outside of that are, are guys that consistently make things happen. But yeah, Durkin, Durkin was brilliant. Like, I mean, he's he's so good. His close control for the little dummies and he's, he's yeah. such a good shooter as well. And he's just been consistently excellent. I mean, it's... Um, it's surprising to me that he's such a such a tight marker because he's such a good footballer, if that makes sense. Because yeah. he's, he's, his strength is always when he's on the ball and driving forward. But, I mean, he's shown a fair capacity... Um, in his in his, in nullifying an opponent yeah, as well, did very which well is on hugely Shane hugely impressive. Shane yeah, absolutely. Walsh. Yeah, I'd say he's a banker to mark Jack McCaffrey now next weekend. But again, we'll talk about that on on Thursday's show. But he was brilliant, and McHugh was out of sorts as well for for whatever reason, and maybe it was just because Durkin had him on the back foot. And again, he marked McHugh, and McHugh didn't mark him. So like, it was just a perfect uh, situation. Sean O'Shea uh, ran amok pretty much. He playing inside Keane, was he? Yeah, well, he had, he mixed. He started off in the first time he was centre half forward and he was he was really really good he was he ran the game for the first five or ten minutes and he in the second half he seemed to be playing in the in the full forward line there was Stephen O'Brien got a black card and obviously Clifford not playing so maybe they needed a bit of a presence in there um, and he did operate from the full forward line with Tommy Walsh you know more often than not in the second half and he was dangerous in there he got the goal from obviously playing in the inside line and poor defending from Meade but he finished it when he did get the opportunity you know he there was no doubt about it it was look fairly emphatic finish now to, to stitch it into the top of the net you know? yeah no it definitely was and he did he used his body there who was it Gallagher tried to get uh, out or Gav- Lavin Gavin McCoy oh McCoy was, oh, the wing back the wing back yeah right. so again a clever play maybe you know pairing up against the wing back and dragging him into the full forward line and making your runs from there so just clever play spotting that bit of a mismatch and McCoy maybe not in his natural habitat um, lunging for a ball that he was never going to win and then look he, he compounded it by having to by slipping then so it was just just a, a disaster all around from him in that yeah. scenario but brilliant from Sean O'Shea but it, it is Conan we'll talk about your your uh, Andy Moran and Sean O'Shea stuff and it's the ability and I've done this 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 is something that's not that hard to do but instead of you're breaking out for the ball instead of catching it you just turn your body and you let the ball come the yeah. other side of you and like if you're marking an over eager defender it's perfect which is McFadden Farry is way over eager I think McFadden Farry is a very good man marker out around the field but he's a bit of a sitting duck inside in a full, a full uh, back line so I think where Donegal need to play him is number seven like where he plays for Guido where he torments a lad following him everywhere around the field but I wouldn't mind Mark McFadden Farry in a full yeah. fo- in a full forward line. It's that kind of kamikaze ness of trying to win. 
over eager to try and win every ball yeah. Andy Moore is too smart for that like he's just turning his body it's almost like a bullfighter with a bull it's like yeah. say come on and then just <laughs> pull yeah. the pull it out of the way like he, he did really well on Martin Riley McFadden Ferry because he was out around the pitch and I suppose you can take more chances as a marker right around there but if you take a chance and it goes wrong in the full back line and it's it's over like you know Andy Moore catches it and shoots or passes it off yeah, yeah. but in general when you're sticky I've, we've explained this before when you're sticky out around yeah. the field at Martin Riley wasn't getting those handy hand passes and stuff because he's being marked and he had McFadden Ferry has the discipline to do that job where a lot of other players might get sucked away wanting to go on the play he's disciplined enough to follow a lad all over the field out there but inside is a different ball game because if a lad makes a break inside he will get the ball you know what I mean so like I mean it's a different different dynamic yeah it's a totally different type of movement as well from being in the inside line and out the field because it's a sharper movement it's an explosive movement and then the ball arrives and then you only need half a yard and you can pull the trigger. If you're further out the field, um, oftentimes guys are relying on the handy little hand pass the whole time. They're not having to do a lot to get on the ball. And when that's the way you're used to playing, all of a sudden you have this lad stuck to you and you have to make massive changes of direction like an inside forward. Um, but you've nowhere to go because you can only get a hand pass off the lad beside you. So it's very, it can be very difficult for guys to get on the ball when when that's the type of marking yeah. they're exposed to. Um but just on that, the whole thing of guys diving in and more and did it really well. I mean, when you're marking a player like that, I mean, you, you get a you get a little bit ahead of them, but you know they're coming. Sure, you slow down before you get the ball so that you're ready to go on the half turn. And sometimes you take the risk that maybe they'll get the hand in. But I mean, if they get the hand in once and you get the next ball and it's in the net, I mean, that that's sometimes what you take. You take the chances an inside forward of trying to take it on the half turn rather than securing possession going away from goal. Yeah. So it's a it's a calculation that defenders sometimes have to make is that you know, I can't win this ball or I'm not taking the chance to lunge in here. I could get turned and you just, they can just step off and they don't let the forward turn then as opposed to lunging in and ball in the back of yeah. the net. And in fairness to Moran, he mixes it up well. I have him down here as well. Like he'll often win that ball and go the long way around. So now the defender's w- not sure what he's going to do, you know, and Moran can turn left and right. He can let the ball beat him. Defenders are guessing a lot on him. And he's very sharp on the turn. Yeah. His, his first few yards are, are Still quite very explosive. Good, yeah. like, and he has a step. Like That last point he got, there was no point on there. So oh, that the like left foot. Yeah, brilliant. yeah. Brilliant because again, that kept him guessing because you often see Moran win the ball, turn and sort of back off. Like he's scanning the pitch and then he just ran at the two of them and went, McFadden Ferry was one of them again and just went in between. Yeah. Because they weren't expecting him to come at him. Yeah. And they made a great impact and Kevin McLaughlin played very well, scored a good point um, as well. We'll forgive Andy Moran for the fisted point. I think that's an exception to the rule. That's, that's no, pushing it. take him off. Killian, <laughs> Killian O'Connor wasn't happy. He wasn't. But oh. I don't. I think that was risky. There was a man coming back to cover, and that was to put three in it. So that was enough of a blanket to allow a fist a fisted point at that t- time of the game. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, just about. Uh, Keen doesn't look happy, but, but I I think by the time he's playing the ball, the goalkeeper is out on is out close enough to him. I think if if Moran could have taken the shot a little bit earlier, possibly or stepped inside, but. Moran was already after stepping in on his left he had and having a poor yeah. poor effort where he just kicked it against the keeper. Patton was that was Patton's second really good one on one save. Um in the context of the game puts them three up. Yeah, of course it's the sensible decision. Um but 
it doesn't mean I have to like it. It's not very entertaining. <laughs> no. Well, that, well that, that's fair enough. Aidan O'Shea has to get a nomination here, lads. Just um, another outstanding game. And you, you always think, and we said it on the show before, the Aidan O'Shea knockers go very, very quiet while he's playing brilliantly and he's dominating games and he's doing all the hard work. And we know Aidan O'Shea's best attributes are his wor- work rate, his tackling and his physicality. And when he's out at midfield, all his qualities come to the fore. He can dominate games. He can uh, win primary possession. And that's what he's good at. When he's in at full forward, none of his tackling is gone out the window. You know, his turnovers aren't as effective. And his ball winning, he could be double marked. So, like, I mean, you're judging a fella in a position he just can't use any of his attributes in. Centre forward, he can use them a bit more. But midfield is his best position. All the Aidan O'Shea knockers go quiet for the last three or four or five games. What will happen if, if he doesn't play well against Dublin, which could easily happen around midfield? Well, if you mark a Michael Dara, it'll be a brilliant matchup for physica- physicality and tackling because Michael Dara is a very good tackler as well. But if he plays badly that day, oh, of course he's a bottler and he doesn't do, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it, you always see them go into the woodwork when he's playing well. Yeah, yeah, he takes a lot of flack, doesn't he? He and does unnecessarily, unnecessarily for yeah. for a warrior, a warrior player. Like he should be really loved by everyone. If we're being honest, like what, yeah, what's there not to like a big about honest player, a big yeah. honest lad? Yeah, that's what, exactly what it is. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. I mean, is it because he sometimes wears white boots, play, and Brian Fenton wears black boots? I don't, I don't know. Sure, <laughs> how do you? How can you predict it? I mean, like if anything, you would be looking at it and you'd be saying Fenton is Fenton has more natural talent and better, more skillful than Aidan O'Shea. And you'd be looking at it and saying he's playing on a better team. O'Shea is this warrior who inspires his teammates and you know really brings the fight to a lot of these teams and continues to do it. And he's just such a robust and enjoyable player. For me, I'd have great admiration for him, and I I don't understand why people will be knocking him. To be yeah, honest, I don't I, really, I don't I don't know why he's a target for it. I don't get it, but he's a lightning yeah. rod for it, and it's completely unfair. I think it's Joe Brolly who's kind of st- started this, and. Again, there was a clip doing the rounds of Des Cal and uh, after the Kerry game. And, Are they finished, Joe? They're finished. That's that's Mayo gone, you know. And you're kind of laughing at that, but that's that kind of analysis. Forget about Aidan O'Shea. He's a, a a glory hunter, whatever. And that's like you'd be surprised how many people are influenced by that because I, it doesn't make sense to me how anyone would be critical of a player that does what he does on the field. Yeah, my biggest criticism of Aidan O'Shea genuinely is that he works too hard. Like, I think he's involved too much in the hard work and it's sort of, I'd like to see him more, like, getting the ball, having a bit more energy to go forward. He does that a lot anyway, but I would like him to save himself almost. But it's so weird, even if you think of 2017 when he went in that run through the qualifiers, he was by far the best Brilliant. player. Because yeah. he was midfield, he was winning ball, he was doing all that hard work. So this is two years in a row like not in a row but Mayo have gotten their act together those two years and he has been the most influential player yeah very pure honesty yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like I mean that that's exactly that's a great way to put it Conan through through pure honesty of effort and if there's if there's anything to be admired in, in a footballer you know at that level of the game it's it's that ability to do that consistently year after year and then when you think of all the, the shite he probably the grief that he gets I mean just yeah and he doesn't shoot anymore he's only one point this year because it's not his it's not his game it's not his game and he's not 
unbelievably accurate and that's another stick that's used to well, beat I, him I, with oh look he bottled it well, I he think, didn't bottle it he's just not accurate yeah, well, I, I think what, what probably hurts him is the is the like of some of the comparisons maybe between say him, himself and Michael Murphy he gets compared to Michael Murphy a lot Michael Murphy is a full forward who goes out to play midfield yeah. Aidan O'Shea is a midfielder who was fired into full forward that's exactly it so Murphy is a is a is a far more potent and a better forward and much greater ability to get scores and play as that forward. That's not a like if the two of them played on a midfield together and you had Aidan O'Shea sitting and you had Murphy with the ability to bomb on, there'd be some there'd be some combined uh, yeah. combined midfield. But they're they're totally different players and it's a totally unfair comparison. Yeah, but mind. sure again, we know who's making those type of comparisons. It's the people with agendas that don't like Aidan O'Shea because you're right. It just it 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 makes no sense. Final nomination is Sean Bugler. Although Brian McMahon was very good for Mead, was he yesterday? Uh, yeah, he, he got through an around. awful yeah. lot of work. Yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, uh, Sean Bugler was outstanding for Dublin and like. I mean, he got three points. He threw the ball across for Onogara's goal, which had Dublin beaten the spread, which uh, got my tip for Paddy Power this week. I don't get too many rights. So I was like, go on, Bugler, great ball across there. Now, Onogara, ah, there you go. Handicap covered again. <laughs> and it was a brilliant pass because... I it mean, was. It was perfectly weighted. Yeah, yeah. it was ideal. And uh, Bernard Brogan was losing the rag altogether with lads not giving him the, the little tap in yeah. like that. He had two chances where he could have got the ball like that. But uh, Poor Bernard was very over-eager yesterday. I've, I've, I looked at him running around desperate to get on ball and going I've been there yeah, yeah. And you, you don't you don't get ball when you're that desperate for it. You actually don't. Like, I mean, the truth is, if you just stand still the odd time, a ball will come to you. But it's hard when you're. But there's so many of those Dublin forwards that are all trying to become the player that gets on the pitch, and to a certain extent, they did have to play a little bit for themselves, which meant that they were, if there was a chance for them to take a score, they were going to try and take it. Um, they were maybe all taking at times a little bit too much out of it because they wanted to see, could I do something? Can I make something happen here myself rather than move? The the ball on and for Ber- like Bernard Brogan is the poacher so he's he doesn't want to get involved in the play at all so what he wants is all these lads to be totally selfless so that he can get all the scores you know where he's making the runs or he's getting on the end of the move he's not going out for first phase ball and laying it off yeah. he's holding his run and he wants O'Gara to make the run and O'Gara then lay it to someone and then Bernard is waiting there for the last little tap into the net yeah. like he's made a career out of it and he, there's a role for somebody like that he's a brilliant poacher there is but yesterday he was coming looping on the other side of the field like he was, <laughs> he was looping around everyone nearly at, the, at one stage but well, let's talk about Bugler lads because he, he's a big lump of a lad he's not that easy on the eye he looks a little bit clumbersome or I don't know agricultural would that be fair to say like he, good, does, he doesn't look yeah. racy he's no Brian Fenton right <laughs> <laughs> he's no Brian Fenton but his two points were from impossible yeah, angles Fenton's a Rolls Royce he's an old Volkswagen there chugging <laughs> along isn't he yeah. <laughs> oh he is he's not he, like he's no Fenton McCaffrey you know style I wouldn't say Kieran Kehenna because he's a weird style as well even though he's brilliant uh, Conor Callaghan has a nice graceful style you Hired, know the Brian Howard, Howard and yeah. actually Scully has a lovely kind of relationship Relaxed uh, style to watch when you're watching it, but Bugler doesn't have any of this. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be like. Maybe a working wing forward looks to be his yeah, best position. Alan Brogan was talking him up. He's uh, he's Plunkett's. Yeah, he's Plunkett's, and, and Alan Brogan had a tweet talking about how how highly he rated him. So, I mean, look, that's a fair endorsement uh, from anybody. Uh, if you get the endorsement from Alan Brogan, you can't be doing too too much wrong. Um, 
But look, he, he did exactly what you'd want him to do as as a player on the second string. Like he really yeah. showed up really showed well up. yesterday, yeah. and and did an awful lot of good things and was making stuff happen. And did he get four from play? Three from three play. from play. Well, he was debating one that went over, you know, oh, yeah. and set up the goal. So I mean, he's he showed an ability to kick points off both feet. He's athletic. Quick, strong guy. I mean, he has it's all there for him, yeah. you know. So and it's big too, big, big, big lump of fella. And yeah. his post match interview was uh, pure, oh, pure brilliant. Dublin. It reminded brilliant. me, you know, of Niall Scully's interview when he scored the two goals against Donegal. So he started off, it's a privilege to put on a jersey and represent Dublin. Straight out of Jim Gavin playbook, there, privilege, you know, he's privileged just to be working with these players. So privilege is a big word um, in there. Then he says, it's an honour to represent them. So he doubled down on it. Then he says, I'm delighted to do so and I'm delighted with my own performance today alarm bells it's like uh, Niall Scully last, last year kind of got a little bit overexcited and admitted to liking his yeah, own performance I don't know I don't know if Bugler will feature the next day <laughs> no straight away he corrected this then he says but more importantly the team performance it was all about the team and about getting over the line today and we did that so you're okay Sean you can just, you're it back. You can just see the wheels turning I'm delighted for me oh shit shit I mean the team the team no, actually the team performance the team the team, the team. <laughs> now listen we're not we're only this is a bit of tongue in cheek on Sean uh, Bugler it's great to see him he's only a young player so like I mean fair balls to him to even be talking in front of the cameras at the same time we're only having a bit of crack uh, okay like he's too young to be we're not slagging him here this is <laughs> oh we are well, he's it, he's, well he's only stuff. a young player but like I mean it's it, this is what even the old players are saying on the team so he's ah, learning yeah, no, fast look we're, we're spotting a great trend here of Dublin players being privileged <laughs> to wear the jersey and it's lovely to hear that and fair play yeah. and he played well yeah. and he's on performance a week because he played and well listen, we're not, not for the interview we're privileged to be talking about them to here. be even <laughs> watching them in the pursuit for five in a row I just can't believe I'm in the studio you <laughs> is it what? a privilege to be here <laughs> well I'm privileged to be presenting with you two guys here like I mean you know but it's not all about you well, it's no, about the team it's here about the well. team that's it that's exactly it performance of the weekend here before we lose the run of ourselves it's like Jim we've been Gavin for his interview yeah. <laughs> it's like we've been drinking here we're getting uh, carried away uh, Paddy Durkin is uh, performance of the weekend. I think that's nobody really. really yeah, but really that that was the only that. that was the game where there was. It was. It had to be from that. It has to be from that. In fairness, it has to be from that. So yeah, congratulations, Paddy Durkin. And I don't know about you, Les, but I can't wait for Thursday's show. Two brilliant semi-finals. We're going to talk about them then. That's always time for today. So we'll talk to you on Thursday. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.